Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We are sounding the alarm for the peril and the uncertainty that lie ahead. The Watchman on the Wall's commitment for the objective truth means that we're going to call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension who attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and in front of truth. Folks, the Watchman on the Wall, we will call out the motives, the real motives of those living in the land of unlimited imagination by expounding on the underreported facts. And we're going to do that today with our own Annette Baker. She's our environmental science expert and homeschool teacher, as well as candidate extraordinaire for state Senate seat District 11 against Marxist Judy Swank in the Reading area. And again, we have an open invitation for Judy Swank on this show. Uh, Judy Swank, I think, avoids our show. Uh, like she would avoid some contagion or something. And that, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, do, I mean, we do want Annette on our show, don't we? Annette, would we like to debate her on the show? Yeah, it would be uh, it would be wonderful to have a discussion with uh, Senator Schwank and be able to highlight the differences in our approach to governing. I think that's I think that awesome. Would be great. And we can ask we can ask Judy Schwank about the Democrat platform and why. The Democrats are supporting the defund the police and defund ICE and eliminate gang databases and and basically free everything for everybody and sanctuary cities and all that and see where she's at on that. And of course, she'll come out against it. But it really doesn't matter, folks, because the fact is the party is what we're talking about. And uh, Judy Schwank is a victim of the party. I think there was some vote. What was the recent vote that she just came out on? It was something about. Uh, what was the recent, was there a recent vote that you wanted to mention on Judy Schwank recently, Annette? Uh, let's see. There was, um, when the big well, it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. What's that? When the Big Ten, didn't she just vote something on the Big Ten? I think she voted to bring the Big Ten back. Football. Oh. Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, football. <laughs> Football's playing this fall? I've been, I haven't been watching. Professional. Yeah, the, uh, I know that the uh, SEC is supposed to be starting up and Penn State is, you know, that's, we're big Penn State fans in our, in our house because my husband is a Penn State grad. So, uh, and my middle son is talking about going to Penn State possibly in a couple of years. So, well, we yeah, ask- we'll be, uh, we'll be watching for sure. We could ask Judy Schwank about who she leads uh, leaning towards voting for president, either Joe Biden and uh, <laughs> Kamala Harris or, or Donald Trump. And then we could take the questioning from there. For instance, we could actually talk to her about the recent discussion. I think it was in Philadelphia where Joe Biden was out there declaring that uh, 20 million people were going to die uh, from COVID. I mean, uh, Biden was out there. I guess he was. In, I, I think well, I want to say it was in Philadelphia, but it was I think I thought it was Pennsylvania. But he says uh, he claimed that 200 million Americans were going to die from COVID-19 by the time he finishes the speech he was giving at the time. And he issues a stark warning to Americans saying that 200 million people will die of COVID-19 by the end of this short speech. You know, he was I think he was in Philadelphia, but I think that's just amazing. That's the second time he's done that, Annette. This is the second time he's done this. I mean, is are his mental faculties slipping? Is this a dementia patient that they're parading out there as a presidential candidate? And, of course, we would ask Judy Schwank, do you support this dementia patient or do you just support Donald Trump? But anyway, I mean, what are your thoughts on Biden here? I mean, this is amazing. I mean, this is the second time he's done this that I've seen 
in the last two months where he stated 200 million people would die from COVID in this country. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's amazing to me that, um, you know, obviously we all make mistakes when we say things. Sometimes we get numbers mixed up. Um, the, the fact that, you know, he's made the same mistake a couple times now. Um, you would think that he would uh, definitely be working on remembering those numbers. Um, the fact that we have 300 and roughly 330, 333 million people in the entire country. Um, we'd be talking about a massive die off that uh, it would just be astronomical. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to think that, you know, 200 million is even a, a number that would be even plausible. I mean, I know they initially the, the uh, numbers coming out with the COVID deaths, the projections were 20 million, um, 30 million. If I remember correctly, those numbers were, were very, very high. Um, and, uh, you know, it, maybe that's what he was thinking of. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it, it definitely, it, it, you know, makes you, makes you question, um, you know, what, what's going on. Um, obviously we watch, you know, his speeches and, um, it seems obvious at times that he's using a tele, relying on a teleprompter quite often, not taking questions from the press after he's done. Um, and I worry about, you know, looking at the President Trump and how, you know, I worry about how Vice President Biden would be for an hour and a half taking questions. I don't know that he could do that. Um, so obviously there's some concern about what's going on with him, um, you know, in terms of his uh, his mental acuity and, and you know, it, what's going on with his ability to be able to take those questions. Well, what's amazing is Biden can go out and say something totally ridiculous like this and do it twice. OK, he can do it twice and show the entire world. It's not all clicking in his head. OK, that is, you know, that he's he's just not he's not all there. That There's something shot. There's something really drastically wrong there. Like the onset of dementia, I've heard that set by people. Well, whatever. It's a tragedy that they're parading this guy out there. And, I mean, this is a guy who 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 really, I mean, he's got some issues. And, I mean, if this was Donald Trump, what do you think would have happened? I mean, if this was Trump that did this. Oh. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Let's, let's think about that. If Trump was to say once, let alone twice, that 200 million Americans, I mean 200,000, are going to die. I mean, how do you think the media would respond to that? They would they would be using that flub of a statement as evidence-based proof of his incompetency. I mean, evidence-based Absolutely. proof that he is incompetent and he messed this up. Look at this. He can't even get the numbers right. But Joe Biden does it. And, and I mean, I mean, the double standard is so glaring in that. I mean, what are your thoughts on the double standard? What would have happened if it happened if Trump had made that mistake? Oh, it would be it would be all over the news media. It would be, you know, there would be memes. There'd be an SNL skit, uh, skit on on Saturday Night Live. Um, I don't know if anybody still watches it, but it would, st you know, they would still do something um, to draw attention to it and to to make sure that people understood just what a buffoon he is. Um, you know, there, there definitely would be none of the, uh, covering, you know, for, for any mistakes like that. Um, well, does this, does this even, galvanize, even, 
Does this galvanize his expertise in handling COVID? I mean, the fact that he can't get the number right? I mean, supposedly, allegedly, he's ahead in polling. Oh, my goodness, all this all this slanted polling that's going on, all these suppression polls show him ahead in dealing with the COVID crisis. This is a guy who can't even get the numbers right in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the concerns. How can we expect him to be able to, you know, to manage all of this. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, everybody makes mistakes with numbers. I'm sure I have on occasion as well, You never, make um, but you never make not that big a mistake. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wish, <laughs> I wish, but, uh, you know, it, it is important to, you know, to, to have accurate information to give accurate information. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that, um, you know, like you said, the double standard is always leans toward uh, leans? the left. Leans? It always protects the left. Leans. 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 Oh, my goodness. This isn't leaning. This is an invasion. I mean, this isn't, this isn't leaning. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this isn't leaning. This is on its side. You know, it's amazing, though. I mean, when you think about it, let, let's let's transition this to the CNN interview, the town hall that took place, and the lack of hard questions that Biden got. Annette, were, were there any questions on eliminating ICE or defunding the police or eliminating border walls or, or, or creating sanctuary cities wherever we want? Was there any talk yeah, about criminalizing illegal border crossings? I mean, were there any questions about that from the CNN interviewer? No, I don't. I don't recall any of those questions coming up. <laughs> I mean, this is the, the amazing thing to me is that all these controversial points that came up in the debates – Eliminated private health care. I mean, the man raised his hand and said that he wants to eliminate private health care and give Medicare for illegal to illegal immigrants. I mean, he raised his hand in the debate. Why isn't that being brought up in questioning from CNN? Why does CNN give him watermelon softball questions? Why are they doing this? Is it because they're not competent journalists or are they making a deliberate attempt to give to, to be a, an, a political, you know, to, to give an in-kind contribution to the Biden campaign? <laughs> well, that's kind of one of those questions that I've uh, I've asked a number of times about, you know, where, where do they cross the line when it's an in-kind contribution when they're uh, actively doing well, particularly with the tech giants. I guess we had talked about it uh, in that regard. But, um, yeah, I mean, where, where does it cross the line that they um, – you know, run, you know, they run defense for him all the time, it seems. And, you know, where they can catch the president in, a, you know, a gaff, they'll do it um, and they'll exploit it. And that's, I guess that's one of the things that a lot of people that I have talked to are, are just frustrated with that. They just want it truth. They want to know what is happening. They want to know what's going on and they want to be able to trust that what they're being told is accurate and not um, planted any particular way. But we're talking about gaffes. Let me just continue this on a little bit because there's a comedian, Mm -hmm. a woman comedian, she's on the internet and I've seen her. She actually has clippings of Joe Biden using the word intercourse instead of discourse. Okay. Oh no. He, He used the word intercourse several times. He said, Trump needs more intercourse with this country. 
And he said it like a couple of times <laughs> and then he did it and he did it in a couple of speeches. So the woman comedian, cause she couldn't believe it. So she's pulling up these clips and she played them. And then she played another speech where he did it again. And she paused and stopped. And she said, can somebody please tell this, this man about the word discourse, please before <laughs> he uses this word again. Now th this is the kind of stuff that's happening and, and, and the media doesn't cover it. It's just, um, to me, it's, it's unbelievable. If, if Trump was to say that because Trump couldn't put his, his, his mind around a particular word, so he uses the wrong word. I mean, we all, we've all kind of done that a little bit, but nothing so extreme as what I just explained. I mean, what, what I just explained Joe Biden did is very extreme. And he didn't do it once. He did it twice in two different occasions. And it's just amazing. It's the same thing with the misreporting these numbers. They're trying to give Biden credibility on the COVID re on his COVID response. They're trying to say that Biden would be such a tremendous world leader, and the man cannot put his brain around the word discourse, and he implants something that's totally different in its place. And then with the same and the same venue, the same channel. They're saying that this man is such an expert on the COVID crisis, and he and twice on two separate occasions he misstated the the numbers as being millions instead of hundreds of thousands. And I'm just, I'm just blown away by this, and I'm blown away at the fact that the media just seems to let him up on this and not report it. I mean, this is beyond the pale. They they are truly an enemy of the people, Annette. They are truly acting. They're going beyond political air cover. This is this is a propaganda arm of the Biden campaign. This is an in-kind contribution in that. I mean, for them to let him up on this without reporting it. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you agree this is an in-kind contribution and this guy should be called out and the media should be called out for this? I know Trump called the media out at one of his rallies recently by saying they used all their free airtime to put out these lies and distortions and fail to cover facts that do happen. That's kind of a paraphrase of Trump said, but, mm -hmm. but I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on that and that? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we all see that. I mean, um, it, one of the, uh, one of the videos that I saw, I could not believe it. They said a mostly peaceful protest as a reporter is standing in front of burning buildings and, and they expect people to believe them. And, and expect people to, to accept what they say, and yet they don't cover the things that they should, honestly, when you can see the truth in front of you. And then there are times when, you know, they, they get part of it correct, and then they leave things out. Like, look at the historic peace accords that happened, the Abraham Covenant, or the uh, Abraham Agreements that, just, um, that were just signed at the White House, how much airplay did that get? That's right. Practically uh, none. None. Practically none. And it's because all because if they if the media actually showed people that the president was successful in getting yet another um, another uh, peace accord done, it would it would not fit the narrative that they want, which is he's a buffoon. He can't do anything. He's incompetent. You told Joe they, Biden if they were to show something like that. Who are you saying, <laughs> who are you saying is a buffoon and incompetent? Is it Biden or Trump? 
Well, the media would say it's Trump, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, you know, I, I, there is a part of me that feels bad for Joe Biden for, yeah. for, you know, yeah. a little bit because I well, feel that he is being, being used. He is, he is a human. Yeah. Being. And, and that's not right. You know, it's just not right to do that. Um, he obviously is struggling with something. Um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's you know, really it's, sad. Annette, that's really a tragedy. And I, and I agree because I know you and I'm going to make sure our listeners know, because I do know you, I know you feel that way. I know you and I both mm-hmm. feel sorry for the man, because quite honestly, I, I sure. can't believe that he's, but I mean, they're parading him out there. And I think what's really interesting is they know he can't win. See, I think there's a reason. Why did they dust off a 2008 acceptance speech instead of taking the time to write a new acceptance speech in that? I mean, they only wrote, it was only a 23-minute speech. It's not like it was going to take hours upon hours to write. You mm-hmm. think about it. How, in, how, how did they want, what made them, what possessed them to dust off a speech, you know, from 12 years ago? I mean, why did they do that? You know, it's because that I I cannot tell you. I to me that that is I just maybe I mean, if I if I wanted to look at things from um, the perspective of, you know, he has had some issues. Obviously, he's having some issues in, in decline and maybe he felt most comfortable with that speech because it was something that he had. He knew because it was an old, old speech and they just kind of, you know, dusted it off a little bit and spruced it up a little bit. Maybe that, maybe that's why they did that was because, um, you know, those things that people are most comfortable with, it's easier for them to present it and be confident in that. Well, and and that's a very, that's a very thoughtful perspective in that, but let me just submit to you. I think it has more to do with the fact that they didn't want to invest their time into it because they don't believe this man's going to win anyway. And I think what's really compelling in all this, and I've heard Rush say this, and of course we've said it too here, but I've heard it said by Rush Limbaugh, he said this, and I've heard this said by a few people, they believe that this election will be determined by things that, that have yet happened. One of those things happened yeah. with the Supreme Court, and I think that there's something to be said of that. I think the Democrats came into this prepared to use the COVID crisis as their as their means of, 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 of coming after the president. And if they go into this first debate talking about the COVID crisis, I would almost imagine Donald Trump would say, uh, you know, would bring up these these two faux pas of the number of fatalities that Biden's done not once but twice. I mean, it's one thing when you make a mistake. I mean, two hundred thousand. I mean, two million. I mean, two hundred thousand. I mean, I'm sorry, two hundred twenty thousand. Thank goodness it's not two million. Two hundred thousand, something like that. But he didn't do that. He he mm-hmm. said two million, and then he did it again, like in another speech later. He just did it recently. I mean, these are things that, I mean, these are things that, that losers do. These are things that campaigns do when they know they're not going to win. There's no, there's no kind of, of, of marketing innovation going on. There's no innovation of programs and, and, and policies and laws or whatever that they want to enact. They're not talking about anything other than Donald Trump bad vote from vote for Joe Biden. The only if you ask any of these people that are supporting Joe Biden, any of them, and ask them for why are they supporting Joe Biden, you would think that some of them, most of them, any of them would come out and say something like, 
I like Joe Biden because I think Joe Biden stands with the middle class and Joe Biden wants to create more jobs in this country. Joe Biden wants to give tax breaks to the middle class and expand the middle class and help jobs and help bring factories back and help with better trade deals. Oh, but but wait a minute. Donald Trump's done all of that. So what's Joe Biden going to talk about? You see? And so they're left with nothing to talk about. They're left with nothing to talk about. And I think that's so telling with these people is they realize that. And then, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that aspect of it? Because, I mean, they must know that Biden isn't going to win because they don't have any of the issues except Donald Trump is bad and Donald and COVID is bad. And I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, they 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 must know that, uh, you know, things are not going very well. And I think that's <clears throat> excuse me, why you're why they're you know they're they're obviously trying to uh, deflect and uh, trying to find a way to make things look better than they are. Um, obviously, with with the Supreme Court justice uh, pick, um, that is a huge rallying cry for everyone right now. They are going to be raising money on that. They're going to be trying to push their people out the door. Um, with the idea that, you know, if you if you sit by the sidelines, meaning you, meaning the, the Democrat uh, voters, if they sit on the sidelines, it means Trump's going to get another pick and we'll never get the Supreme Court back until we can pack it. Um, and that's, you know, that's another um, a whole other problem that they're talking about. So, yeah, I think that they're concerned that he's. He's not polling well. Things are not going well, and and that's. But all the issues at this point, they're they're trying to cover. But all the issues they, they don't matter, have the issues. All the issues that matter to suburban moms and the middle class, Donald Trump is on top of it. As I started saying in my parody earlier, you know why isn't Joe Biden talking about bringing jobs back to the middle class? Why isn't he talking about expanding manufacturing? Why isn't he talking about better trade deals? You know why isn't he talking about? you know, uh, tax cuts for the middle class. Why is he talking about any of this stuff? Because Donald Trump's already done it all. Why isn't Joe mm -hmm. Biden talking about improving the police force and getting better trained police officers? Why isn't he talking about that? Why is he talking about securing our suburbs? Why isn't he going there? Because he's not on the winning side on that. Mm -hmm. His argument is to destroy the suburbs. His argument is right. to defund the police. This is why he's not talking about it. And so suburban moms aren't getting the feel goods for him and they're getting the, so they're getting the cover from the media and this is kind of the stuff but you talked about the supreme court and i do want to wrap the show up with that a little bit because i i, I want us to transition to that I, I think the supreme court the republicans are being told again by democrats on how to act if they want to win their elections i mean that's sort of like being told how to prevent your building from being robbed by a by a robber <laughs> okay uh <laughs> I, I just I find that kind of strange that we're listening to the Democrats trying to tell us, you know, I mean, if you do this, you're going to lose your election big or as Trump would say, big league. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so should we should we be listening to the Democrats and their ideas of, of how we should win or should we be listening to our own sensibility and doing what we know is right from the common sense that God gives us to to win our elections based on working for the American people? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Listen to our common sense. Listen to listen better. Yeah. Listen, not just to our common sense, but to what people are telling us they want us. They want to hear, you know, that they want 
their representatives to to do. Um, that's one of the things that you know people are very open about what they want right now, and it is not defunding the police. It is not um, you know forcing uh, people to. Um, stay indoors and masked and all this other stuff that's going on. People want to get back to work. They want to do it safely, but they want to get back to work. Well, do, but they do, want to be able to, to do the things that they want to do. But do Republicans want to, uh, do Republican voters want their Republican legislature, let us legislators uh, replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think there there are definitely quite a few people, and and you know to be honest, I was I was one of those people that said you know with Merrick Garland we had that discussion that you know I felt that at the time it was best not to seat the judge you know a new judge until after the election, and initially when when I had heard that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed, um, you know my initial thought was well maybe we need to not seat a judge until after the election. And then when I started talking to a few other people who um, are constitutional scholars that have done more research on this topic than I have, they actually said, you know, in reality, when the Senate and the White House are controlled by the same party, historically, uh, there have there's precedent that the judges are seated prior to the election, regardless of how close the election it is. That's right. And uh, so I was a little surprised by that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to look into that some more. But I've heard that a number of times now. And, you know, that's been something that I that I was looking at. And I said, you know, um, this might be something that, that we need to consider, uh, you know, and, and take a look at and, and support. Because at this point, um, obviously, if we wait until after the election, which we could do, because, uh, you know, we all I think we all are pretty confident. And, and, you know, as long as people get out and vote and this is one I was just explaining this to someone earlier this evening. I said, as long as Republicans get out and vote, as long we as win. people go out and, and make right. sure that they they get their voting done, we win. And, you know, we win. So, I mean, it's a base election. People vote, go out and vote. It's a base election vote, yeah. and we got the base, and we're, the base of the Republicans is very motivated. And the base of the Democrats, the only thing they, they're united behind is they hate Trump, and that just isn't enough <laughs> to win the election. And it just isn't enough to win the election. I think they know it. Right. America knows it right. too. But I do agree with you, Ned. I, I think that, but you know, as you talked about the G, the judicial precedent that was set when the party, the Republican, when this when the same party is in the presidency is that runs the Senate. But make no mistake about it, the American public elected Donald Trump and these Republicans to put these justices in place. I mean, that's why they were elected. And not not only that, they were elected to get all other issues I brought up on the previous show, which is like the 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 border wall was one issue, and you know solving immigration issues that was one. Trade deals was another one. Bringing jobs back to this country, you know, cutting taxes was another one. I mean, Trump was put in place for a lot of things, for a few major points, and one of those points, one of those points, for particularly was the Supreme Court and all the all the courts, all the appellate courts and, and all and all the federal courts. So Trump has masterfully handled this. And again, this has to be done only because the Republicans right now are, are waiting and they're looking at to their to their senators to do this. I'm convinced that these Republicans that have said, I think we should wait 
I think we should wait. Well, okay, well, you can think that, and we're going to have our vote anyway. And guess what? They're going to end up voting for whoever it is that we put up anyway, Trump puts up. Because when the dust settles on this, these people that we're talking about, Murkowski and McCollins is running this year, but Murkowski's running in two years. I mean, they're going to have to answer right. that. Unless they want to be done in the Senate, <laughs> they're going to have to do what they have to do here. And that is do what the party wants to do. And the party that elected Murkowski, even though she got in there by beating a Tea Party candidate, uh, she's in her last term if she does not support a Supreme Court. I'm telling you. And everyone knows this, including Murkowski. She can say what she wants, but when the dust comes down, she also knows there's going to be a vote. And she can cover herself right. by voting for the by voting for the person. So anyway, we are out of time, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in to our show today. Thanks for for being with us. We appreciate it. Stay tuned every Saturday afternoon right here on AM Radio, AM Radio 1180 WFYL for this distinct discussion on The Watchman at 1 p.m. every Saturday. Folks, thank you for being with us today. For Annette Baker, I'm Clay Brees. See you next week. Goodbye for now.